Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. I'm Casey Cease, one of your hosts, and we're really excited about this episode today. It's something that both Josh and myself are passionate about for leaders, and the topic today is the leader and marriage. So Josh, why don't you give us an overview of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, for a lot of leaders, we are driven, uh, goal-oriented. We spend the majority of our time at work. Um, but the way things go at home, the way things are going in our marriage has an enormous impact on who we are as a leader, the capacity of our influence, especially as a pastor. It is one of the proving grounds for yourself as a leader. And so our hope today is to kind of give you a dashboard for you to look at when it comes to your marriage. You know, as you think about your car dashboard, it's, it's there to let you know if there's something wrong with your car, if you start to hear a sound or a light comes on, you know, that check engine light that comes on that you ignore for about 90 days until your car finally breaks down. And so what we want to do is create some lights on the dashboard of your life, the dashboard of your marriage, for you to know where things are. And so Casey and I came up with six different um, dashboard um, diagnostics for you to think through, for lack of a better phrase. And so Casey's going to start us off with our first one, and then we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit. And so if you are married, this would be a great podcast for you to discuss with your spouse, uh, for you to sit down and talk through and to ask some questions. And if you're not married, this will be a great way for you to start thinking through what that marriage could look like um, as a leader as you move into that next chapter of your life. Excellent, Josh. Yeah. And so the first thing we want to talk about, the first warning light, if you will, uh, for you to take into consideration as a leader is um, when your marriage and life revolve around your kids. Um, that, that's something that kids are important. As Christians, we believe children are a blessing from the Lord. Um, but it's very easy, especially as your children are growing and aging and have more things going on to allow the home to be kid-centric, meaning that everything that the, the husband and wife are doing is focused around their children. And, and the big threat that comes for this is um, that there will be a day in time where your children will no longer need you as much or as frequently, and there will come a day and a time where your children will be out of the home. And one of the areas that we see marriages falling apart, they often say, you know, the first year is very tough. Year seven is a tough year for marriage, but then it goes to year 20. And at year 20, if you think about it, most of the time, the children are at least in their teens or, or at least independent. They're active in school or sports or activities. And so you end up having a, a husband and wife who don't really know each other. Um, the only way they know each other is they're like business partners taking care of the kids and focusing on the children. But really, at the end of the day, what, what kids need in your home, the way that you lead your home is the husband and wife having a strong relationship with each other. And I can't tell you, you know, my part of the world I live in, I live in the north part of Houston, the suburb area, and I've talked with and counseled many couples who um, don't really know each other very much other than balancing schedules, toting kids around, arguing about money for the activities for the kids or clothes for the kids or education. And, and so it's very easy to allow your life to be kid centric where your kids are more important than your marriage. And I know that, you know, that's kind of the tyranny of the urgent, especially when kids are smaller, they need a lot of attention, a lot of affection, a lot of direction. When your kids are teenagers, they need a lot of boundaries and, and conversations and relationship. And so it is important to invest in your children, but it's not worth forsaking your marriage for the sake of 
um, for the sake of, of your kids. And so that would be one area, Josh, that I think would be really important for the leaders to be mindful of as it pertains to the focus of the marriage um, being targeted around kids. Yeah. And the second thing that we would say is kind of a warning light for your marriage is that you don't work on your marriage. Mm, Now, if you're as many wives will want to read books on marriage, they listen to podcasts, they're reading mom blogs, and they're wanting to work on their relationship. But for a lot of guys, it's just, it's not something that comes naturally to us. It's not something that we're usually overly excited about. And part of it is because we're just afraid that we're going to fail at it. Right. And, and so when you think about your marriage, how much energy and effort are you putting into it? And, and so some questions around that are, when was the last time you read a book on marriage? When was the last time you read a book about relationships or about emotional health and how that relates to your spouse? Um, here's another one. When you are with your spouse, you don't have anything to talk about related to your spouse. All your conversations are either silent about your kids or about your work. Mm. And so when you find yourself just not having conversation pieces anymore with your spouse, that's beginning to show a sign that you're not working on your marriage. And another one that goes with that is just how much of your past have you opened up to your spouse about? And so a lot of couples, they keep things hidden. They are afraid to share things. And many of us have walked through incredibly painful and devastating situations, whether that's around abuse or divorce. And, and so we keep that hidden. And when we do that, we're not able to fully enter into a relationship and be able to work on it and really be able to enjoy that relationship then. Absolutely. No, that's that's extremely important, you know, with that in mind, you know, I I think that people view their marriage, especially like I married my best friend, Stephanie. And so we can parallel play really, really well. And we genuinely like each other and we're for each other. And so it's super easy to just get an autopilot. Fortunately for me, my wife has a very sensitive trigger for time apart or not feeling connected because for me, I'm like a typical guy in the sense of, you know what, I may feel the fact that we're not really connecting, but I don't really know how to articulate it right away. And so I might just become more irritable or grouchy or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, of the covenants the Lord's given to us first with himself, the second covenant he's given to us is our marriage to our spouse. And, and so, you know, even if you don't feel like you have time on that, it's something that's that's extremely important. Yeah. And so going along with the first one then, so Casey, as you talk through having a kid centric home, which is so easy to do, it's so easy to, to have our calendar be so focused on our kids. The third thing then is that, and you can unpack this one, is you can't yeah. remember the last date night you had. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, Stephanie and I have gotten so much critique from people who don't have date nights with their spouse um, of like, oh, you know, we can't afford it, we don't have time or anything else. But several of those that have passive aggressively said something are either separated or going through divorce or very unhappy or insignificant counseling. And, you know, the, the idea of dating your spouse isn't just so you can post it on Instagram. The, the purpose of dating your spouse is so that you can go and, and remember the otherness and the otherness nature of your relationship to remember um, why you're in this and to connect and to uh, have, you know, this intentional time away where there's no phones out, no TV, no computers, no kids. 
and just talk about your relationship and build your relationship. And even for extremely busy times of our life in ministry and in business, my wife runs a classical conversation homeschool campus. I mean, we're busy people. We're you know active in the life of our church. One thing we try to do is have these little mini dates each evening um, where we sit down for five minutes, just talk about our day. And, and we're not there to fix each other, just ask clarifying questions. And that's one of the ways that we've been able to get through some very busy seasons. But in addition to that, I think a lot of people are like, well, we can't afford a sitter or we don't have much money. Look, date night doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be expensive. It needs to be an intentional time focusing on the two of you. And so it's not just watching Netflix and, and vegging out. That's fine sometimes. But what we're talking about here is carving out intentional time for you and your spouse as a couple um, to just be other and be different. And I really recommend doing that once per week, even if you can't get a sitter every week. But, you know, as your financial opportunity increases, either as a business leader or as a church leader, um, I would make that a budgetary item like, you know, childcare um, or family member or someone that you can trust to watch the kiddos um, or just say, hey, we can't afford that right now. So when the kids are down at 830 or nine, we're going to spend from nine to 11, really engaging with each other. Um, but but you have to make that a priority on your calendar. And I talk to couples all the time when I ask them, you know, when was the last time you had a date night where it was just specifically different? And oftentimes they get this, this uh, blank stare or they laugh off and say, I don't know how, how old are the kids now? And, and they say those type of things, or they try to say, well, we went to this work function with a bunch of other people. I also had some friends that uh, I was working with in counseling that they had date nights weekly with three other couples or two other couples or something like that. And they couldn't understand why they felt so far apart. And I said, well, because you need to have date nights, just you too. And, and uh, another person I know they would talk about like, well, when we ever have, when, whenever we have date nights just by ourselves, we end up fighting the whole time. And so I say, well, then you need to probably have more date nights, not less to kind of iron through that stuff. Yeah. And one of the things for Katie and I, I mean, we have five kids and so um, it's hard to get away for date night. It's hard to do it at home. Um, our kids are getting older. It was a little bit easier when they were younger to do date night at home because they could be in bed before seven o'clock, but now our kids are wanting to stay up later. And, and so what we've tried to do is say, okay, our goal for date night is one for Katie to feel like I'm pursuing her because that is just a really big desire for women right. to feel like their husband is pursuing them. And that was what, that was what one of the things that made your wife want to marry you is that you pursued her. Absolutely. And, and so wanting to make sure that Katie feels that, but then at the end of the night, and, and this I think gives a lot of freedom and a lot of creativity for a couple is to say, okay, at the end of the night, do you feel more connected as a couple? Yeah. That's um, great. Do you feel like you had fun together? And so, cause I just think the longer that you're married, you just have less and less fun. And we were just sitting with a couple last night who they're engaged. And of course, you know, so they're so in love and they just can't believe how much in love they are and all this stuff. This and will so never go away. Them, yeah, yeah. And I said, listen, I said, have you ever seen an older couple that just seemed miserable as they're sitting next to each other? And they just looked at us and they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, if you don't work at it, you'll be them. Yeah. Like you'll become that couple. And so to just have fun together. And so, and Stephanie um, and I were on a date and that just brought to mind, Stephanie and I were on a date recently and we were, we were just talking and enjoying. We saw a couple near our age sitting near us and both of them were on their phones. They looked miserable. They weren't connecting. And it was like, and not to judge, but it was like, we could easily be those people, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the fourth thing then going along, it's closely related to date night. It's also incredibly closely related to how focused your home is on your kids. And that is how often you as a couple are connecting sexually. 
Woo! And we're going um, there already, man. Just here a few we are. episodes in. Yep. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're going to get a spike in listenership. So there we, we go. go. But it's important to talk about. No one talks about that. But leader, leaders need to be having uh, married leaders need to be having sex. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, not just not just to make them perform better, but it's it's an important glue that the Lord has given us for adhesive of marriage. So yeah, talk about that a little bit. So I think one of the things that Katie and I will tell couples is that your physical relationship is the barometer of your marriage. Hmm. Your physical relationship is the barometer of your marriage. Now, this is not just how often you have sex. Your physical relationship is how often you hold hands in public. Um, how much affection you show each other in, in just the busyness of leadership, raising kids, life happening. The first thing to go out the window of your marriage is affection. Right. The first thing to go out the window is kissing, holding hands. You know, I mean, when you remember if your kids are older now, when you remember back when you would, you know, kiss your spouse in the, in the kitchen, you, I'm sure you had a kid that was grossed out by it. They just could not get over oh, yeah. how grossed out they were by you kissing. But then as they get older, you do that less and less. There's, there's less, you know, sizzle in your marriage. And so, and, and the reason that we, that we have less affection, the reason that leaders have less sex, there's a number of reasons. One, we're just busy. Two, we're tired. At the end of the day, we've run kids all over the place. Um, you know, activities, work, we're stressed out at work. And so we just, we just come home and we are run down. We're emotionally spent. We're just older. And so the older you get, the more difficult this becomes, you know, you just have less energy to pursue. You know, one of the other things too, is I think going back to working on your marriage and sharing things with your spouse is that many times one spouse wants to have more sex than the other spouse does, but they're afraid to bring it up because they just don't want to be rejected. Right. And that becomes, that becomes a wall in your relationship. And every study that you read about marriages will, will tell you this one thing, that a healthy marriage has a high level of physical affection. Yeah. Every single study says that. Um, and, and this is why when you see an older couple in their 80s or 90s that are holding hands, people are like, oh, that's so cute. Like, oh, that's so amazing. Look how in love they are. Well, that couple is one that decided to make affection and their physical relationship a priority. And if you don't do this, it opens you up to so many problems. Um, it, it creates uh, so many issues in your marriage. It makes it so that you're more open and susceptible to somebody else flirting with you at work. Um, porn becomes an inevitable issue in your marriage if you don't deal with this. And, and, and to have some hard conversations about it with your spouse. And, you know, one of the things that that Katie and I will often ask each other is, you know, what things do you like when it comes to affection or our sexuality? What things do you enjoy? Right. If you, most men are convinced they know the answer to that, but I can guarantee <laughs> you that you do not, you do not know the answer to what your wife thinks, right? I mean, it's true. You know, well, you think, I, oh, I think she that's... probably thinks like I do. No, she does not. No, and, and, but that's, <laughs> But here's the deal, man. That's one of the, the horrible effects of pornography on our culture and even yep. cinematography that's sexualized because it, it provides what the viewer wants to believe rather than the reality of what is true. And so what happens is we start having sex with an avatar, a made up person of what we believe our wife should be or is or wants, rather than having those just very honest conversations of what do you prefer? What do you not? And and. and and that's when you start realizing, am I being selfish or selfless in this very sacred act with my spouse? Um, but you're absolutely right. You've got to have those conversations and ask those questions. And, you know, for the men, we've got to be big boys about it. For the women, we've got to, you've got to be brave in, 
and being honest, but being kind in how you have that conversation, because that's the only way that intimacy will increase, even if it's conflicted in a moment, working through conflict well will produce intimacy. Yeah. And I think going along with that, I mean, you know, some of the things that Katie and I have looked at is just how is our schedule affecting us physically? I mean, yeah. because when you're the older you get, when you're leading, there, there's a lot of things that um, your kids, your schedule, um, what you're eating, your, your diet has an enormous effect on this part of your relationship. And as well, this is going to sound totally unromantic, but I think it's okay for you to think ahead and plan and schedule tonight we're going to connect sexually. Tonight right. this is going to happen. And, Especially and I, when you have you know, kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, cause you know, when you're a young couple and you first get married and you think, man, like we're having sex in every room of the house, it's going to, no, that just doesn't happen. Like that just, you know, that, (laughs) you know, and now like I can't text, I can't text Katie certain things because her texts show up on her computer and our kids can read. Right. And so, you know, so now you have to come up with like code words and all this stuff. But I think one of the things that this does is each, each day, at some point in the day, Katie and I will communicate with each other over text or a phone call, our expectation for the night yeah. of, and this is a way for me to check in, not only to find out how her day is going, but for her to find out how my day is going, to find out if I'm stressed or you know, if I've had so many meetings that I'm just now out of words and I'm just done talking, um, and, and to find out, okay, what, what is our expectation for tonight going right. to be? Yeah. Um, is tonight, are we... Are we just going to go to sleep? Are we going to read? Are we trying to build up to, to have sex tonight? And that's an important thing to talk about as a spouse because then when you come home, you have a certain expectation of what things are going to be like. Yep. You're also building towards something. Instead of, here's what most guys do. They get in the bed and they're like, hey, so do you want to? Yeah. And hey. she's like, dude, we have been watching four hours of Netflix. No, right. no, I don't. Uh, we haven't talked at all. You didn't tell me till now. Um, you know, one of the rules that we made at the beginning of our marriage was that one of us, and it was typically me had to communicate before 8 PM, whether or not we wanted to have sex that night. Ah. And what it taught me, cause I didn't realize this at the beginning of our marriage is it taught me how women need kind of that longer runway yeah. <laughs> than a guy does. Yep. Right. I mean, a guy, you just have to say, Hey, and he's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and so especially you know, when think we're younger on that. When you get a little older, you're like, oh, yeah, but you know, you have to think about it, right? So, yeah, I mean, because that's... I was blown away. Um, I remember an older an older guy telling me this. He goes, "There will be a day, Josh, when your wife asks you if you want to have sex, and you have to think about, do I want to put in the effort for this right now? Right? Yeah, <laughs> because it does take a lot of effort and work. Yep. And so we have now spent the majority of this time talking about this one thing, but it is an important an important point. And so the fifth one then, and this is kind of a personal rule for Katie and I, and it really comes out of just our background um, in our families of growing up and it's nitpicking at your spouse. And you've probably seen this happen where you're out with a group of people. um, It might be a work function or you're sitting around a table as couples and somebody tells a story about their spouse and it makes their spouse look incredibly silly or stupid and everybody around the table is laughing and having a good time and he watched this spouse just slowly die in front of the group. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to say something to your spouse and then say, I'm just kidding. Or, oh, don't take that so seriously. And to nitpick at your spouse creates such a divide 
in your marriage, it creates a lot of hurt. And so just one of our rules that we have is we just don't disrespect each other. We don't make fun of each other. Um, we don't, um, we don't, we're not sarcastic about each other. I don't tell a story that makes Katie look silly mm-hmm. in front of other people. Um, and, and this is an easy thing to do. And I think a lot of it just comes out of our insecurity as people. So right. Case, why don't you bring us home? Talk about the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the final thing that you need to think through is that your friend knows more about your marriage than your spouse does. Uh, it could be a friend, a confidant or whatever. Um, you know, and, and you just talked about like nitpicking your spouse or picking on him or her in public or even in private. But, but one thing I found interestingly is the breakdown of communication with couples. Um, I use an assessment called prepare and rich for the couples that I do marriage counseling with. And it notoriously, there are issues with communication and conflict resolution. And so what happens is the couples that are not feeling heard or considered with their spouse at, um, at, at home will start talking with, um, uh, other people and they'll talk about what bothers them and they'll talk about, um, you know, their fights with other people. And one thing that people don't know, um, that don't realize is that if you are more emotionally invested with a friend, even if it's of the same gender and there's no weird attraction or sexual thing going on there, you can still be unfaithful to the covenant you made before God. Because one of the covenants we make as in Christian marriage is that we're forsaking all others, meaning that next to God, our spouse is the person that we're working with. And if your friends know more about your trouble in marriage or your happiness in marriage than your spouse does, that's a problem. That's, an, that's something that needs to be um, discussed, right? Are, are you, you need to ask yourself, am I honest with my spouse? Um, do you talk about things that bother you or things that you appreciate? Do you fight in a healthy manner? And here's what I mean by fighting in a healthy manner. If we are one, like the Bible says we are, or better yet, since we are one, we need to understand that if one of us wins in a fight, then we're both losing. The aim of conflict in marriage is to build understanding, to come with an agreed upon solution so that we can build intimacy. But if you're constantly having fights that are deteriorating trust and intimacy in your marriage, that's not a good thing. And that's something that needs to be worked on. Um, And and one thing I find, and, and this isn't just uh, completely just on, on the ladies. Um, but it often is, you know, where the ladies will talk to their girlfriends or their moms even about the problems in their marriage more than they sit and discuss it with their spouse. And I just, I just want to say, man, that that is unfaithful to the promises you've made. Now, if your spouse, your spouse is unwilling to listen, then you need to begin to bring in, you know, your pastor or a close friend saying, Hey, we, we need to talk through these things. We're, we're not working on it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you've got to keep that solidarity there. And interesting enough, the, the couples that actually post more about how happy they are in marriage on social media, Instagram, or Facebook are typically the ones that I know, like as a pastor that are struggling. And, you know, you, you see pictures, uh, you know, I, and this isn't across the board, but when you see, you know, folks posting more pictures about their kids than they do their spouse or posting a lot about their family, like, okay, what insecurities are you trying to cover? And here, here hear me, man. I, I actually have a feed blocker on Facebook because of my 4,900 very close friends on there. I, I can't keep up with everything, but um, I do know that when, when people um, are talking about how much they, how awesome things are or whatever, um, you know, uh, I, I just... I don't buy it. It's like we're usually setting up smoke, uh, you know, smoke screens or flares to distract from the reality that, hey, there, there's some issues going on here. And I know you have some thoughts about that as well. So I'd love for you to kind of bring us home um, on that as well. Yeah. And I just think, I think what we do is we post things on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, many times to convince ourselves that we'll make it 
Yeah. And, you know, and it's hard for us to admit, hey, we're in a tough spot. Things aren't going well. Um, you know, I've sat with countless couples, done counseling with them. And th- I mean, they're literally sitting across the table from me on the verge of divorce. And then that night it is all over Facebook. Oh, I'm so in love with my spouse. I can't believe it. Oh, you know? I know it. Yeah. And, and all this on and on. And, um, and to just be honest about it. And it's really hard to do, especially as a pastor, to be honest about some of the things that you're walking through. And I think at the end of the day, when, when you look at these six things, you know, so you think through, okay, how focused is, um, is our marriage on our kids? Are they, are they taking too much of a prominent place? Um, are we actually working on our marriage? I mean, we work on careers. We work on um, a lot of things in our lives, but we don't work on our marriage. Um, we don't plan date nights. We don't really put forth the effort for affection and sexuality in our marriage. We nitpick out our spouse. And then we start to share things with other people Um, more than we do our spouse. And when you do all those things, literally, they will lead you to a mediocre marriage. They will lead you to a place that you are not happy, that you are not enjoying. Um, You will, you'll feel like you missed out on something. And it's just not where you want to be as a leader. Absolutely. No, that's, I mean, there's not much more to say about that because that that's reality. And really for us, this podcast isn't aimed to fix your marriage or fix the, the marriage of a leader. What it's, what it's intended to do is to get those conversations going and to bring that greater awareness for leaders because leaders are notorious of getting narrow laser focused on things that may matter in, in the moment, but don't matter long-term. And we want to bring that attention back there. And so this is all the time we have today for this episode. Josh, thanks so much again for, uh, for being a part of this with me. Yeah, man. And uh, we look forward to being with you next time on Leadership Conversations. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com. 